This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Gregory, how you doing? Mr. CEO, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? Well, good, good just, yourself? Well, just back from the northern, man, and whoa, um, our fundraisers are back live, and wow, um, unhinged, man, unhinged is all I can say, just so much energy, so much good things, a lot of great money for wild sheep conservation, just great friends up there, our wild sheep family getting together, and man, was it was it a great time in Dawson Creek this past weekend. Well, if there's one thing we all know, it's that the northern people know how to have a good time, and it seems like they have know how to have a good time, and bring in lots of money for conservation. So it's a good pairing. Uh, it's Well, it's interesting. Mike Selden for years has talked about it's just a different vibe in that Northern community. There's so much passion for wild sheep and everyone just kind of rallies around. And uh, yeah, I seen it firsthand this weekend and wow, it was, it was a fun time. Uh, lots of laughs, uh, amazing support. Um, you know, that the, our Northern director is doing a fantastic job. And then all the team that came down from down South, the, uh, we had Colin and Rebecca drive up from the Lower Mainland. Joe came down from Whitehorse. Peter from the Interior, and um, of course Mike Selden from the. Uh, he's in Hundred Mile, but he, he made the trek down south and then flew up. So, just great support from our, you know, our directors and our volunteer team, and just another great wild sheep event. And uh, anyone that hasn't checked it out, you got to go check out the Northern Fundraiser because wow, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Was that your uh, first time going there? Yeah, it is. I've, I've been scheduled three times now. Uh, I tried to go, well, of course, let's not talk about the <laughs> the pandemic years, but uh, yeah. two years ago, two years before that, I tried to go and I had a work conflict. I couldn't make it. And then I was going up there and uh, had uh, a funeral. I had to attend. It was with my uncle. I just couldn't miss it. So Robbie still hasn't let me forget it, but I finally made it this year. So pretty happy about that. So. Awesome. Yeah, it looked like a, a great time. Uh, one of, one of these days, maybe next year, I'll make that trek. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so this is episode 113, and uh, we sit down with the key key players in Stone Glacier. So uh, we got uh, Kurt Rassicott on the podcast. He's the founder of Stone Glacier. He's kind of the, I guess, the ingenuity, the, the design around it. He's an ultralight artist ultra hardcore backpacker hunter um i've listened to some early podcasts from him i just shaking my head at the guy you know he talks about a 40 pound pack going in for you know, 10 or 12 or 14 day hunt and i'm like i just the math doesn't even make sense it's just like how do you do that and he talks about taking two green belly bars for food for a day like no stove like in the winter time the guy's just super I, I, i'm not doing justice you gotta listen to some of his early podcasts when the guy is just super, super intense and just a, incredible. Awesome. Yeah, they seem like a couple of great guys. You've had the pleasure to meet them down in Reno. Uh, luckily for the people at home, they don't get to listen to me as there was only three headsets. But yeah, a couple of stand-up guys. It was great chatting with them on the side. Yeah, so Lyle Hebels are, um, I think, uh, Director of Marketing. Uh, I think that's his title. And Lyle's been right there from the early days as well, and uh, just a driver, driving force. He, he does so much in the conservation world already. Um, I'm pretty sure he sits on the 2% board of directors, uh, very involved with a lot of other volunteer organizations. He's an artist himself. He's a really talented dude. 
and um, Stone Glacier that you know they're a real inspiration when you look at um, you know their social media and and their their communications team to do such a fantastic job and then their products right like uh, I run a bunch of Stone Glacier stuff um, and really really like their their gear and I'm gonna pick them some more um, components up when we get on the podcast we're talking about gloves and stuff like that and definitely got some new equipment I want to try out this year with them so well they seem like one of those companies too as they continue to grow they continue to just give back more and more to conservation and you know they're one of our partners in conservation and that's a pretty substantial amount of change we get from them and the boots on the ground in British Columbia they do an amazing job for us yeah great point Greg you know you look at our conservation partners and and Stone Glaciers is now I think in their second year supporting us and that's uh, uh you know our aside from our official sponsor, the largest investment in what we do for conservation in BC. So um, I always look to my conservation partners first when it comes to gear, no matter what I do. And if when you look at my kit, and I'm not saying you should, but when, when I look at my kit, it's filled with all the gear from our conservation partners. They're good, good companies doing good things, supporting conservation. And the one thing about our conservation partners too, they're premium products from premium companies. They're the companies that... Um, I'm proud to be affiliated with and proud to support and uh, Stone Glacier is, is right there. And it's really, really cool to, to have them involved and to sit down and chat about their gear, chat about their commitment to conservation on this podcast. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of follow the same as jump on the gear of our conservation partners and represent that brand as they represent us and do so much for us here. So love, awesome. love their stuff as well. Awesome. So yeah, they're um, they're going to be well represented at our Kamloops convention in just over uh, a month's time. So we get that rolling here right around the corner. And um, but I think you're all going to enjoy this episode of uh, Talk Is Sheep, episode one thirteen with Stone Glacier, Lyle and Kurt. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Stone Glacier. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Stone Glacier. For investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to Talk of Sheep Podcast. We're here at Sheep Show 2023 and uh, Kurt and Lyle on the podcast and uh, oh, a little bit of fan action going on here. I have to admit I'm big fans of you both, love what you do in the outdoor space and just, uh, you know, you as a hunter, both of you as hunters and then the stories you guys tell and the work you guys do for conservation and your products it just goes on and on and on so a little bit of fan action going on here i have to apologize right up front but uh yeah welcome to sheep show 2023 in our booth here so, yeah, yeah. We're, we're happy to be here yeah thanks for having us yeah, yeah cool so i guess uh let's just start off a little bit you know stone glacier is a great supporter of the wild sheep society bc you're a conservation partner um and maybe let's just start off with where this conservation ethic comes from is that is that, you know, you as the, the head of the uh, company and everything, Kurt, and, and your vision as a president, um, when you started out, was that always something that was really important to you, or is that something that has evolved over time? Well, it, it has evolved, and it's evolved as the company, you know, ha has the resources to contribute. But even from the beginning, and we started in 2012, the Wild Sheep Foundation was the first place that we, we started to contribute. And... And it started small with what we could afford, donations of, of packs, and then it branched out into individual you know, geographical units between BC and Alberta, 
Washington, Idaho, and and that's where our focus of our conservation was. And and a lot of that is because, well, number one, that's kind of our people. That's what we're building products for. So that's who knew it. So our products did well to raise funds in those areas. But it's also because it's that's kind of the backbone of the company and, and where the product started was from that passion for sheep hunting. So it was, it was just kind of a natural progression for us. Well, I think it's really cool. Like, you know, you guys are truly a mountain hunting brand, right? And, you know, you're not marketing it to, you know, guys in a tree stand sitting in, you know, out on the prairies or whatever. And I'm not saying they're not using them there, but you guys have really stuck true to the brand. And, uh, you know, the sheep ethos uh, resonates with Stone Glacier. When you think wild sheep, you think Stone Glacier. And, you know, most of the time you're going to see that product somewhere on a sheep hunter, right? And you know, I run you guys' packs and a lot of other gear too and just uh, great stuff. And um, so, you know, when it comes to product, is that, um, you know, was it where we are today and the company's evolved and, you know, it's been a decade in, in the making, um, you know, is this all, you know, your basic brands that you, or your basic uh, visions and concepts, Kurt, or has it changed now as the uh, the company's grown and evolved and, you know, there's more products out there? Oh, no, it's a team effort. Right. Uh, uh, everything from coming up with the specific products that we want to bring to market, but also design features and testing. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's a group of people that bring it about. And, and one of the big influences, too, are our customers. Right. So being able to listen to feedback and and what products they want or changes to existing products, I think that's super powerful for us. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's a group. And and it's also kind of the kit that you carry in it, too. So as the, as the company has evolved, we started with backpacks and just a couple of designs. And then you start to look at, okay, so what else are these sheep hunters or mountain hunters using? And that drives our product and our product development. And then also trying to look at not just building a product so that you have that. I just, we need a jacket in the line, so let's just make a jacket. Well, let's figure out what is unique to us and what is what works with our other products as well. So, yeah, it's kind of a combination of all that. I find it interesting with you guys that, you, you know, you are one of the brands that whatever gets to market seems to last the test of time. It's a product that gets out there and there's a lot of brands, I'm not going to mention any names obviously today, but they get to market and they, you know, they, it's like they're field testing on the market, right? And I've sure. never heard that, like, and I, I know you guys are close to source and people reach out to you and maybe internally you've seen some products that don't perform as well as others, but I've never heard someone say, don't ever buy this Stone Glacier product, it's garbage. Sure. I've just never heard that. Yeah, we, we have a pretty uh, lengthy uh, process we go through to test the products. A lot of it uh, is done by Curb, but a lot of it's done by our staff as well. Um, I mean, for example, when we did our Gators, those were three and a half years, I think, of, of testing before we were happy with the product to actually bring it to market. So yeah, we, we kind of pride ourselves on building stuff that, you know, you're going to spend some hard-earned money on it. We want it to last for you. So. Well, it's funny, you know, a lot of these brands talk about their warranty, right? And I, I don't know what your warranty's like because I've never had to use it, sure. which is pretty cool. You know, I've got all the Stone Glacier stuff I've bought over the years. It's, I'm still running it, mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, people don't talk about your warranty. I'm going to say it's good or bad. I have no idea. Yeah. But there's brands that are like, oh, their warranty's amazing. It's like, well, yeah, there's a reason yeah. for it, right? So yeah, we have a, we are, yeah, our warranty, I think, is strong. We try to repair and fix a lot of products, too. So if something comes in, and still a lot of life left in it. And 
yeah. we have guys in the shop that will sew it right up and ship it back out. So yeah, we try to try to make sure that if you're going to spend your money, you're going to get some value. Yeah, it's cool. I did have one warranty replacement. Actually, it wasn't a warranty replacement. I had a piece of gear replacement. I was on a stone sheep hunt in northern BC, and a porcupine chewed two thirds of the way through my uh, <laughs> my belt. You were there, Kurt, and I'm like, "Hey, buddy, can you help me out?" Yeah, no problem. And you know, two yeah. minutes later, the hardest part was trying to figure out how to do it. But you showed me how to do that too, and. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I can't blame your warranty team on that. But uh, great replacement. You guys had the parts there and were able to sort me out. And I used the pack the next uh, fall, which was pretty cool. That's so, great. Okay. Yeah, awesome. So now when it comes to, to product and testing, like the, the original stuff was, like a lot of your stuff was your vision, Kurt, right? Like you, I remember hearing somewhere that like you were sewing your own packs and your design and stuff like that. So now do you still have a heavy f influence on that? Like obviously you brought the team in, but are you bringing this stuff to the team and saying, let's go and, you know, can we build this or... You know, how does that evolution look like now with a you know company bigger? Um, it hasn't changed. Uh, what has changed is we have more resources. Mm -hmm. So, in the very beginning, when I would come up with a product, it was pretty much me who was testing it. You know, when we first started out, particularly with backpacks. But now our design process, I think it's a bit unique in the fact that. When we come up with a concept, if it's a piece of apparel or a backpack, um, I'll do the patterning, I'll sew up the prototypes, and do everything in-house. So before we actually go to manufacturing, when we go to manufacturing, it's a finished product. And that allows us to be able to build a piece, send it out in the field, get it back the next day. You can fix, change, whatever you need to do, and get it back out. And everybody on our staff hunts so you have just unlimited opportunity to put somebody in somebody's hands or something in somebody's hands and, and send them out with it and then the nice thing about that too is that you get a lot of different feedback and a lot of different opinions that you can also take into account other than just mine so they'll see it a different way and it allows our design process to be more fluid and to move quicker mm. i think in between like making changes and just you're in control of the entire process right right in-house and right. so that that's really helpful um, and then being able to build it and then use it just while you're using it you'll come up with different ideas right. because it like I'm building it for myself as much as for anybody else right so it kind of gives you a little bit of a unique perspective there hmm. well one thing that I found really unique about you guys is there's like this deep ethos in your organization you guys are so unique like you walk into the storefront in, in uh, Bozeman and it's just actually I haven't been to the new store I don't think it was uh, when you still were in the last place which was super cool in itself but you walk in there and there's like you know like you said you're hunters you, you, there's such a unique so how important is that ethos of having you know dedicated hunters like you know you've just seen what you guys are doing and I know you know Jeff and just the team everyone's so focused on that that hunting ethos um, and I don't see that with a lot of brands it's just it's such a unique vibe when you walk into the storefront yeah yeah 100% I think um, it's super important to us and it just it makes our brand like you said unique but from our perspective I mean anybody in our shop can answer the phone and, and talk to a customer about a product and so that that affords us a lot of opportunities but it also just makes our brand stronger generally across the board because you know nobody is, is having to fumble around questions and things like that and you know, we have we have different experience levels of hunters. I mean, we've got people that are, you know, just getting going and people like Kurt who've, you know, gotten a few sheep under his belt. So, yeah, it's uh, that is important. And it, it's harder to maintain as a brand grows. 
uh, you know, constantly trying to find new people that are, fit the mold is, is tricky. So, uh, yeah, we, we train a lot of people that, that maybe aren't, aren't uh, you know, uh, designed for that position, but they have the right hunting knowledge. And so we get them in there and, and get them trained up to do a, do the specific job. Well, it's so cool. I was in the store one day. Guys were bringing, uh, you know, they killed something. They brought it in the store. You guys score it. What do you? I can't remember. You do something. No, we give them free beer. Free beer. Yeah, uh, yeah and there's yeah. free. Like you know, just the vibe in there. And uh, you know, I've heard guys that just say, "I just come to work here. Like I just want to be part of this team. It's just yeah. so, you know, never not not about the money. It's just it's just this is such a great place to work, right? And I've heard that, and I've seen it a little bit firsthand when I walked into the the shop there and seen yeah. the team you guys have. So yeah, we yeah, you were at the old shop. We we just got a new new shop because we were growing, which was great, but. Uh, we always joke our old shop was like our fraternity house, and now we got married, and there's throw pillows. And so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely an upgrade in the new shop for sure. So how does that? How's the new digs? Is it uh, better, worse, uh, same vibe, or is it you know much bigger, a little bit different? Or? No, I don't, I don't think that the culture really didn't change much. Um, definitely more people kind of around, uh, a little bigger space, but uh, it's nice. Our retail space is about 4x the size of what it was previously. Wow. So awesome. uh, just a little bit more opportunities out there to display products and, and have an experience for folks when they come in. And then we were always kind of bursting at the seams from the warehouse standpoint in our old old shop. And so now we have kind of a couple different different buildings that we can store product in. Cool. So when it comes to this, you know, this vibe or this ethos and, and, and having this, you know, feeling when you walk in, does that come from you, like from the original days, Kurt? Like I've been in the store a few times, and I run into Lyle and Jeff and Becky, but uh, never had the opportunity to meet you in the shop. So, what, is that something that you know the team's carrying that on? Is that something that comes right from you? Like obviously it's you know, collaborative, but uh, where does that come from, and, and how does that stay? How do you guys keep that there? Um, I, it comes from the team, yeah, and and I think it, it comes from associating yourself with people who have that same mindset for for what you're trying to do and it also i think comes from trying to hire people that are more talented than you are at right. the things you're trying to do right. and uh but yeah no I, that, that's that's a hard one to answer right. because it really comes down to each individual person right Right, and so being able to to surround everybody with other people who want to work as hard, are as passionate. I think probably the biggest key of any of it are just the employees are as passionate about the product and about hunting in general as the as our consumers. Right, like we're all the same people. Yeah. So if I wasn't working there, I'd probably be buying from there. Right, right? and I think that that that's that's the case with everybody we have there. Very cool. Now, uh, with your products, and as you guys have grown, you've brought more products on. Like, I think the early days, like, originally it was Stone Glacier Backpack. So, yep. at least, if I'm not wrong, like, that, yeah. that's what I associate you guys with. But now you've got an incredible lineup of clothes, gaiters, just all the gear. It's all there. So, yep. lightweight mountain hunting gear, that's what I associate Stone Glacier with. Um, has has there been a, an evolution, and, and does it go beyond this? Or, obviously, you'll probably stick in that niche, but, you know, do you expand to the whitetail hunter in, in the prairies? Or again, they use your product too, too. But is there is there a change coming, or do you guys just stick to what you're good at? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't think we're we're planning on getting out of our lane anytime soon. Right. I think we have a lot of space to still grow in in the hunting um, backcountry mountain hunting space. So yeah, not, nothing nothing on the books for us really. I mean, there's some crossover. People will use our products for a lot of different things, but. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't see any Stone Glacier whitetail gear coming out anytime soon. Yeah. So uh, one thing I've always, and I'm sure people know this, and I don't because I haven't, you know, don't listen to a ton of podcasts. But wh- where does the ethos of um, solids come from? Like no camo in your lineup. What, what's the background on that? That's one of the things I've always wanted to ask you guys. So. Yeah, it's it's a good question. Kirk can probably speak to it as well. But um, you know when. When we started making apparel, uh, Jeff and Kurt had the conversation of, you know, what was it going to be? And and really, in the end, it, it kind of came down to we, we just thought you didn't need camo, you know, that uh, it wasn't really super important to uh, to the hunter, at least our hunter. And so, uh, and plus, it, it made us a little bit unique, uh, let us stand out. Uh, it also uh, allows the consumer to wear these products all year long. And so uh, rather than, you know, buying a, a camo jacket that you can use during hunting season, here's a jacket that you can wear, you know, to your kid's band concert, and then you can take it out in the, the field, and it, it's going to perform that well, too. And uh, from the marketing st- side, once you start making a camo, you're, you're really a, a marketing agency, right? Like you're yeah. trying to convince people that this product is, is going to work for them. And so we didn't want camo to be the thing that, that limited the product or somebody didn't purchase it because they didn't like the way it just visually looked. So. Right. That was that was kind of the big thing there. Stay out of the camel wars. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, you have your own camel wars in the in the own way that you don't have camel. So yeah, yeah it's very cool. Yeah, and we I mean we don't dog on guys that like camel. That's I mean that's their business and and they can do that. And but yeah, there's just a little different offering from from our camp. Well, I do like the fact that you know you can wear it out in the general public. My wife kills me if I throw a piece of camel on, and she's not too keen to be seen with me in public. So that is a cool aspect of it. And it's interesting that these other brands are now creating solids as well, too, right? We're seeing that. So yeah. a little copycat action going on there, I guess, in some, <laughs> some capacity. Um, let's talk about products. What's, uh, what's the latest and greatest that you guys got out there? Yeah, yeah. We, we have quite a few uh, products this year. Um, it's kind of a, a little bit of a fill-in year for us. We, we, I think we felt like there's a few things in our line that we didn't quite have that the, the backcountry hunter needed. Um, Probably the, the biggest launch, though, for us is uh, gloves, which okay. is that kind of completes the, the kit for, for the guys. Um, so we have a full line of gloves coming out, kind of everything from an early to late season uh, mitt that we're excited about. But uh, outside of that, uh, Kurt, we got, what, um, Grumman, Grumman Light jacket, highly packable jacket, uh, Cirque Light, which um, is a lighter version of our Cirque jacket. Uh, that piece is really cool. Kurt, you want to talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So what we found is uh, we started making the Cirque jacket last year, and it is a very warm jacket. So it's a mid to late season style uh, um, insulation, uh, synthetic, as I said. And once again, this kind of comes back around to consumer feedback and what guys are using and wanting to be able to have something that was more of an active insulation piece. So it fits well anywhere from early season to being your primary outer layer and then works great as a as a, a mid layer or an insulation piece as you start to move into the late season and wear a shell over it and uh, just moves moisture a bit better um, more packable so that's that's kind of what we've been focusing on are trying to trying to hit those gaps of the conditions that you're going to be using certain pieces in and and then by region they can start to say well i'm not ever going to be hunting in zero degree so i don't need that but i like the function of it right can we get something that fits our climate a little bit better uh that's a big thing i, I picked up one of your sleeping bags here last year and uh 
it was the the late season one and i went on a mid-season hunt and it was like it was unzipped the whole time man. Sure. those things are amazing like so many of my hunting buddies run your guys' mm-hmm. bags and i'm like okay so i finally got one it's like wow like i can't imagine like i know for sure late season it was just going to be warm all the time and yeah. mid-season it was like i was unzipped and it was kind of nice right like you're not confined it was pretty yeah so really impressed with that bag my one pretty old it's probably 10 years old so a lot sure. of technology changes since then so. yeah. yeah yeah it goes quick yeah. you guys yeah. definitely nailed it on that um and okay so uh let's talk about mitts so you guys mm-hmm. you talked about these new new gloves new line of uh, uh hand coverings whatever it may be um what do you guys run so in like i find in northern bc i've run through uh, 10 different products it's like and I keep coming back to wool, or I, I can never find a really good solution. Gore-Tex never really holds up. So, what, so tell me about the new lineup and what I can do, and how I can keep my warm, hands warm when it's uh, raining and cold. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, our glove line, like I said, it's it's five pieces, and they all kind of work together. Uh, we do have a lightweight um, Chinook merino glove, so uh, kind of a liner or a, a glassing glove. Um, then we have a, a grapple glove, which is um, it's kind of like a mid 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 to late season fleece glove. Uh, we have a Merca glove, which is kind of uh, kind of a shooting glove, a little bit of a work glove. It's got a leather uh, palm in it. Um, and then, yeah, then we get into the altimeter series, which is um, we actually have two two of those. We have the mitt, and then we kind of have the the regular glove, but they're both insulated uh, with a hard shell on the outside or a rainproof shell. So uh, Kirk can probably speak to the actual technical benefits of all those better than I can. But yeah, that's kind of the, the lineup. But it gives the the hunter the full um, full gamut of gloves. Very cool. Um, so that's a big fo- thing that I find, like, you know, your glove gets wet and then your hands are cold. So is that last one that you talked about, is that going to solve that problem for us? Yeah, that's where, that, that's really what I was trying to, what we were trying to do, uh, w- when we came out with that one is figuring out a way to manage moisture from your hands, because as soon as you start to heat up, your hands sweat quite a bit. And in a lot of traditional insulated gloves, um, where the insulation is integral to the glove shell, really hard to pull that moisture out, especially if you're in a lot of times you're cold camping when you're sheep hunting. So really the only way that you could dry it out is with body heat one way or another. So on both of our altimeter gloves, uh, the, the glove and the mitt, the liner is removable. So it's a primal off synthetic insulation. And then we do some mapping with it as well. So the back of the hand is going to have about 40% more insulation than the inside of the hand. But the liner is removable, so you can throw it in the bottom of your bag. And the the very um, breathable outer shell on that that's slick, and it moves moisture really quick. So uh, even in late season, when it was colder conditions, I could just throw them in, through testing you just throw them in the bottom of your sleeping bag and you wake up in the morning and you have dry gloves mm-hmm. and and so that was one of the keys for that the other thing that it affords if you have that removable liner is then if you're on an early season hunt you can take something like a uh, the chinook merino glove and just take the three layer waterproof breathable whether it be the, the actual glove or the mitt and now you have a rain shell and so you're able to kind of mix and match what you want. Mm. Very cool. Do you guys have them for sale here at Sheep Show? Are that those? The yeah, we do. Okay. We do. Yeah, we don't have. I don't think all the styles are here yet, but um, okay. we do. And then uh, early February, they'll be live on our website as well. Okay, I'm gonna go over and buy a pair before I leave yeah. here. So <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, how much is technology 
uh, helped you guys? Like, and is it changing as fast as it seems to be changing? And you know, you look at I know, granted, like you go back thirty or forty years, but is there a lot of technology changes like yearly, or is it pretty consistent? You know, in terms of even materials, and not so much even manufacturing. I'm just talking about the materials that are out there to the stuff that you guys are building. It kind of depends on. Uh, on the piece that you're talking about, take for example, if it, or a line, I should say, you take the apparel, and it is moving, but it's not like we're seeing these huge jumps in in the different types of fabrics that are available. Uh, a lot of it, you're still with the three-layer waterproof breathables, so some of it comes down to the construction and how you put it together. But one of the interesting thing that we see from the backpack side is there is quite a bit of fabric technology that's moving. And the sailcloth um, industry, building race sails and those types of things are driving a lot of those. Mm -hmm. and, and so you see a lot of really cool stuff coming out. For example, the fabric that we use on our terminus. And some of these fabrics have been around for a while in different types of configurations. but. Some of it was so hard to work with that you couldn't use it in a pack. Right. Just how you'd sew it together, how you cut it. Um, a lot of the UHMWPE, which is like a Dyneema Spectra type fabric, really high abrasion resistance, really cut resistant, but being able to work with it from a manufacturing standpoint and from the sewing standpoint where you make a stitch and it still holds together. Right. So that's where we're seeing a lot of the jumps in technology. Very cool. Um, so when it comes to you guys building product, and obviously you're visionary, uh, your company continues to evolve and change and everything that you do, but um, how much do you guys look at like the ultra lightweight backpacking community for ideas and stuff like that? And that's where I, you know, kind of, when I started getting into the sheep hunting stuff, that's where I started to look. And I know that like that's your ethos for sure is ultra lightweight. But do you look at that community outside the hunting community for ideas and, and thoughts or is it? Yeah, more so in the beginning, right? Because that was really how how the company started was trying trying to get the kit down low enough so that you could make one trip in, one trip out with a sheep size animal, whether it be sheep, mule deer, um, anything along those lines. And so it started with the hard gear stuff, and and the ultralight community had that dialed in, right? Much earlier than, in my opinion. Than the, than the hunters ever did right. and but then once we got into the actual gear there's so much difference in in the capability or, or what you needed for capabilities say even in a load carrying backpack where carrying a hundred plus pounds takes quite a structure to do it mm -hmm. and and then also dealing with the wear because Hunters use things extremely hard. Everything that they get is a tool. And I, and I feel like from the, the Alpine mountaineering and ultralight backpackers, a lot of times they will build things that are super ultralight, knowing up front that it's not going to be as durable, but it's worth it for them to, to, to shave that weight. Therefore, they have to take care of it. They have to be a little bit more ginger with it. So you, you, you have to walk that line in between ultralight and knowing that, man, sometimes things are just going to be used as a hammer. And so yeah. it has to last. Yeah, for sure. How are you guys finding with the Terminus? I, like, I put that pack on and I'm just like, I'm like, 
is this going to hold up? Like I just, you know, four pound pack. It's unbelievable how light that thing is. You put it on and you feel like you're walking around. You think like 10 pounds in the old days was lightish, right? Yeah. To think now. So how, how have you found the durability and reliability of the, the Terminus? Yeah, the Terminus has been great. I mean, we, uh, my desk is pretty close to the returns area at Stone Glacier, and I don't think I've seen one come back wow. with any type of issue. Um, I mean, you, you're always going to see some kind of random wear and tears. Like, we, we have a guy who throws it on top of a dog box and rattles it around in the backcountry chasing lions, and he's got a few wear marks, but it's all, all stuff that you would expect from, from that kind of abuse. So, And to Kurt's point, I mean, again, it's it's hunters are hard on gear, so... You know, nothing, nothing's going to be guaranteed forever, but the Terminus has, has been doing doing a really good job from the durability standpoint. Very cool. Yeah, and we didn't, even though it's a much different platform, if you look at the construction, you look at the hip belt, you look at the fabrics outside of the UHMWPE that we use at the fabric, we use what we, what's been proven. Right. So we started with the frame that we already make, the same geometry, the same stays, the same type of hip belt construction. So a lot of what we incorporated into this had already been proven. So it wasn't, there weren't that many questions once we started with the first prototype. Felt pretty confident in where it was even before we headed into testing. Very cool. So I'm kind of curious, you know, you guys are visionary. There's so many things that you've created. And like we said, the, the early days was the pack, right? Um, is that still for you? Is that your passion? You, you see like, okay, I want to create something new and really cool. and innovative or are you the guy that is thinking about tents or you know or is there like is there a passion for you specifically about a specific specific product or is it just about the the lightweight concept so where does it go in your mind yeah um i'm i don't know i started with building packs so there's always that soft spot where i i i really enjoy being able to try to come up with new ideas or it's it's also something where with apparel, apparel compared to a pack, I feel like there's more opportunity to be innovative with a backpack just because there's there's so much more going on. And to be perfectly honest, they're harder to build. Right. And and they get just the forces that you're dealing with. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy the pack portion. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it all, but right. specific packs. Yeah, very cool. Um, so I guess you probably can't reveal any trade secrets, but uh, anything on the horizon that you guys are excited about that you can share or anything coming out real time anytime soon or what's the next thing or when's the next one coming out at the very least, I guess? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, we've got a couple things in the works. I mean, most of our new products come out in January. We like to sell them all year long. Um, but yeah, we'll probably have some, some new backpack accessories and things coming out um, later this year. Uh, we're working on some cool projects for next year that we're excited about. Probably, yeah, I can't go too deep into those, but yeah, uh, sure. but yeah, yeah, there'll be a, f a few additional products throughout the year for us. Absolutely, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you a tough question here. You can only pick one Stone Glacier product. That's it. So, if mm. you kind of have an idea where this might go, but I'm just curious, Lyle, if you if you had one thing, you could only use one product from your lineup. What what would it be? What's your must have? Yeah, I would probably say the Grumman jacket. Okay. Is, is Probably my, like, if I only, you know, yeah. die on the sword one product, probably that Grumman jacket. Yeah. It's one of my favorite pieces by far. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Yeah. How yeah. about you? Uh, I would I would pick one of our packs. I, I use this, the Sky Archer 
is 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 my go-to when we go to late season and you can just do anything with it awesome yeah yeah i kind of well i'm 50 50 on that i've picked that on you and i was thinking maybe the gators might be yours but yeah, uh, i do love those things too. jacket was a close second yeah. for me so yeah our gators are really nice those again those yeah a lot of design and thought thought went into those guys yeah. cool um okay so let's uh let's talk some hunting what's um I know you guys do. You guys do a great job of communicating and telling you know telling your story, the brand awareness, um, and it's really exciting just to watch what you guys are doing. And I love watching your films. Um, so I guess let's talk more so about hunting specifically. So let's start off with you, Lyle. What do you got on the books coming up here? Yeah, I don't have have too much going. It's still kind of early in the year, but um, I'll be doing some uh, bears up in BC. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So Zach and I drew that tag, so we'll go up there. And and make some content on that so we're excited to do that i've never been there um i'm actually like uh somewhat new to bear hunting i mean been doing it for like four or five years now but definitely wasn't as much of a passion for me until i started working at stone glacier and, and got into that with some of the other guys so uh yeah i'm excited about that and then yeah outside of that just kind of wait to see what happens in the draws and right. if anything else comes up it seems like uh opportunities always kind of pop up here and there throughout the year we be creating content with that uh that mm-hmm. hunt that we will do a film out of it yeah yeah, yeah we'll right do on. some product testing and right yeah create some content yeah. you able to share where you're hunting with us or uh do you remember i'll put you on the spot here yeah um i don't i'd, I'd have okay. to look yeah cool. i put in with zach so i just kind of jumped on his trip to be honest okay yeah, yeah right on yeah. yeah i'll have to touch base with you on the uh, yeah my part of the world there so but cool yeah, yeah. It'd be cool to yeah hear it's, more it's prince things. of wales is where we're going yeah okay yep. yeah very yep. nice yep. yeah cool awesome yeah how about yourself what do you got on the books um well i'll start off uh, uh with a sheep hunt in september uh we have a uh, uh, couple of units and a few units in montana that, that offer some good opportunity for us and and then from there both of my kids are going to be old enough to hunt we have a mentor the, the hunting mentorship program in montana where uh kids can start hunting at age 10 for deer and okay. so my son will be that age and then my daughter will be old enough to hunt antelope and deer and so we have a few trips planned with with my dad Right and, and kind of go do those things. And then the great thing about Montana is, man, they give you a pocket full of tags, and I just feel like I never make it through the end of them. Like, there, there's 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 a lot of opportunity. So we'll have elk and deer after that as well. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I think that's uh, where BC and Montana share a kinship there. There's a lot of hunting opportunity for, for certainly residents. And uh, it's pretty cool that you can go and hunt sheep every year if you really want to. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So those are general open tags that you're you able to hunt on yeah yeah the the sheep tag is right yeah yeah that's an over-the-counter and then yeah actually all of them are the antelope is a draw tag but right yeah, yeah. so do you hunt sheep every year then kurt or um when i've been able to right yeah if you take one you have to sit out for seven years oh that's right yeah there's a yeah. wait out period yeah so there was a wait out period but yeah once that was up then i i got back in this would be my fifth year back in in that unit Right on. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, exciting. Any sheep hunts for you on the books? Or? No, not nothing Nothing planned right now. I need a couple. To, so, <laughs> yeah, so i got to start putting in for some tags and keep my fingers crossed that something comes up. But you had the doll last, right? That was your uh, last? Right? No, I shot a bighorn last. So, right. yeah, I, I lucked out. I, I got to sheep hunt basically two years in a row. So, yeah. Yeah, I so got, it was got a doll and then it drew a bighorn in Montana. Okay. Yeah. 
So I have to get you up BC for a stone. Uh, I need a stone, yeah. <laughs> and a desert, so. Yeah, yeah I've got some money in the raffles over there. Hopefully they crawl, call my name out. Yeah. It'll be all right. So. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, what's what was your best sheep hunt? What what's the most? I know that that's an unfair question, but what really stands out when you? Yeah. I seen your doll story, and I just yeah. love it. It's such a great. Yeah, great the story. the doll one was pretty special because I mean I wasn't planning on going. Right. It ended up. Um, uh, through the Montana Wild Sheep, their life draw member drawing, a buddy of mine drew it. He couldn't go on the hunt and ended up gifting it to me. So that was pretty incredible for somebody to, to be that generous and, and do that. So that hunt was really special. I had a super great time. Um, it was actually pretty short. We shot, shot the ram on the second day. Uh, so I was kind of hoping for a little bit more time. Um, but the, uh, the bighorn was cool, too, because it was right in our backyard, just up the canyon behind my house. And we were able to put a lot of days in and looked at a lot of sheep and just ended up picking one that that i thought wanted to go home with me right on yeah cool. yeah mm -hmm. so with you kurt is it uh, is hunting changing like i, I hear your stories I, i've listened to some podcasts about uh your early hunting days and your your 40 pound pack and your uh um you know your green bellies was all you're taking no stove and no anything taking the kids out is it going to look a little different or is it uh, <laughs> yeah it, is looks it, a lot. it looks a lot different <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they don't function well on, <laughs> on stuff like that. You, know, you have to take some hot meals. No, yeah, it has um, it has changed for me quite a bit, and it really just depends on the hunt. But um, yeah, I haven't honestly. I haven't seen a big change in in just the passion or wanting to go. You see a lot of change in in the number of people and the number of people who want to backpack. And, and stay out on longer hunts, which is, I, I think speaks to the industry and, and selling those types of products that, that make it more available. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll change with kids, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so let's circle back to conservation just for a little bit um, before we wrap up, but a um, couple things that, you know, you guys have such a strong conservation footprint, you know, you would certainly are there one of the leaders out there today and um two percent certified um you know you think it being two percent certified when you're a small company and you have modest revenue but now you guys have grown a lot yeah. um you know is it hard to keep up as a leader in that um you guys have dedicated so much to it and it's really inspiring i have to say yeah i don't i don't know if it's hard to necessarily keep up um I mean, it's just important us to keep giving back to be honest i mean we always think you know, what, what would hunting be without the opportunity to actually, you know, have something to hunt? So it's important to us uh, to ensure that, that those opportunities happen. And, you know, the 2% thing is, is cool, too, because it's 1% of, of dollars and 1% of time. And so the time thing for us is it's fun. It allows us to get out and actually put some boots on the ground and, and do some work. And oftentimes it's easy to give dollars, but it's much harder to actually go put in some physical labor. And so we like to do that, and we've done everything from fence removals for antelope habitat to, you know, the guys went down, uh, I guess the year before last, and caught some uh, mule deer down in Wyoming, helped tag them. And so, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a litany of a lot of different things. Um, we do a lot of goat counts with RMGA around Montana, so go out and just survey and count goats. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a mix of things, but it's important to keep doing that for us. Yeah, very cool. And you know, you talk about the time you sit on the board of two percent, I believe, right? Yeah, and, I am. And, yeah, and other ones too. And and a lot of your your staff and people involved have been involved in all these conservation organizations: Wild Sheep Foundation, Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance, and a lot of chapter and affiliates too. It's pretty inspiring to watch. So. 
Yeah, it's it's good. We we like to give back. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there, so it's hard to sometimes choose who gets dollars and who gets time. And so yeah, we try to be fair about it. But sheep sheep guys always you know are on top of of, of us, so that's always good. So when it comes to the brand, how much does that play in in terms? And I know you guys do it for the right reason. It's not about oh look at us. And honestly, that's one thing I've been inspired by and humbled by is that it's not about the recognition for you guys. It's just about doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but how important is that um, in terms of, you know, even your growth as a company and sales that people recognize that your conservation ethos and they support you because of it? Yeah, it's it's a huge thing for us. And again, that's, it's not, we're not like trying to seek recognition for it. It's just, we feel it's the right thing to do. And again, we're all hunters. So even if we weren't, you know, donating dollars back and time back as a brand, we'd be doing it on our own anyway. Right. And, and we do, a lot of us do donate a lot back outside of what Stone Glacier has afforded to do. So yeah, it's it's super important for us to keep keep that going. Uh, right on. You guys, I know you, I've seen you at Sheep Week every time I've been here. Uh, Kurt, do you make it every year or is it just hit and miss? Yeah, no, huh? I've made it the last 10 years, I guess, other than the year we didn't have it. Yeah. That was a bit yeah. of a weird year. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what's going on? What's uh, events coming up? I know you guys had your uh, had an event there for the grand opening with the new yep. facilities there. What else you got going this summer? Yeah, we'll do our summer bash again, which is uh, that's one of my near and dear little events. But uh, cool. basically we uh, we do a, kind of a, a block party in our, in our parking lot. Um, this year we had 500 people show up, I think. Um, we were very connected with some military individuals, and they actually jumped out of a helicopter and flew the American flag in for us. And wow. we do a live band and free beer and free food, and it's just yeah, it's just kind of a shindig. Um, and we yeah, just just do it for fun. I mean, we're not not seeking anything. It's not really nothing designed about it to do anything specific other than just you know hang out with our local community. So yeah, we'll do that, and then um, probably a few other little small events in the sh- in the showroom. Um, we've been kind of toying around with the idea of some early release film premieres and stuff in there as those become available. But uh, yeah, our showroom, showroom is a, a great little little activation tool and we got a lot of space now. So yeah, we'll probably start to do a little bit more than we have in the past. Very cool. Do you guys do any other trade shows around? Or is yeah, we uh, we do Dow Safari, um, the show Sheep, or um, Safari Club, SHOT Show, and then Western Hunter. Okay, so you yeah. do the, the whole gamut. Yeah, I know yeah. It's, there's been quite a bit of evolution with a lot of brands I've seen mm-hmm. over the last couple years with covid and stuff and then yeah um, but uh, you guys are doing the so you're heading over to shot here right after this we are yeah kurt and i are gonna cruise down after this and then the booth will go to um what's western hunter and then we'll we'll catch back up to it there okay you don't bring the booth over no we have a a huge yeah yeah we have a different booth for a shot show just logistics wise you can't make it all all work so yeah we have a different booth yeah oh that's cool well, on behalf of the society i have to say you guys are phenomenal we're just so grateful for our relationship with you guys and just uh you know we pride ourselves i guess in working with only the brands that are the best in our opinion um and uh you guys have been right there from the get-go supporting us and we're just uh, and our members um you know they they tell us that they value your brand and seeing that at our shows and being involved and so we're just so grateful for all you do so thank you so much oh yeah you yeah, that's great thank you. Yeah, happy to hear that yeah awesome. super look forward to talking again thanks jets you all bet right, thank you